Welcome to the Thrive in Higher Ed podcast, a place to explore new approaches, strategies, and tools to learn, grow, and thrive in higher education. This is a community for instructors, staff, grad students, and campus leaders to learn together, to tinker, to find ways to be more effective and productive, and to innovate in big and small ways. I'm your host, Mark Hofer. This week on the show, I am joined by Roy Peterson, also known as Roy Zoner, to talk about the benefits of doodling, to reconnect with our creativity, and also as a form of wellness. So I'm really excited to to share this episode with you um, as we deal with especially stressful times right now. Um, and just the, the kind of culture and climate of higher education, I think we can all benefit a little bit from doodling. So I hope you enjoy the show. Well, Roy, uh, thank you so much for, for joining the podcast. I've, I've been looking forward to talking with you. Um, you're kind of the, the creative spark. And I, I know that in our lives now, we all can use kind of a creative spark and, and find some joy in what we're doing day to day. So I thought we'd talk about one of your favorite things, and that is doodling. That's great. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. This is, this is going to be good. I always like to talk about drawing and doodling and stuff. So, yes. That's cool. Well, well, let me like, why do you doodle? Like, what what does it do for you? What benefits do you get out of doing it? Well, I the the process of doodling, just being able to sit and draw without any um without any distractions, is what. I love doing. Um, I find it almost like therapy. I find it very, um, I can get a lot of thoughts that I have out and onto the paper. And in my case, it's an iPad. I usually just doodle on a digital tablet. Um, <clears throat> my, my start of doodling was when I was in a very, very difficult situation. Creatively, I had to produce a film that was uh, that was very difficult to produce and very difficult to edit because there were people who had who put structures on it that I did not like. So it was a in a twelve week editing process, and I was really tapped out creatively. Um, so I found doodling in the middle of that uh, through some reading about Zen, uh, reading about um, minimalism. Uh, Zen Habits by Leo Babauta, uh, people like that who uh, are just kind of boiling everything down to to one action, to a small action that you can take rather than uh, procrastinate and try to develop a whole thing. So, so rather than doing a whole mural or a whole painting, I would just do a doodle. And I found that that was a way to just calm my mind and my thoughts and and just go anywhere I wanted to go, within that uh, that that time period that I would doodle. That's great. And what and so you you kind of did it to find your creativity or to kind of reconnect with that, right? Um, and what did you like? Was it difficult at first? Um, was it difficult to kind of make that time and kind of devote that effort, or was it really natural? Well, no, I had a lot of time because I didn't want to go into the editing room <laughs> to edit with my editor. So I, I found the time. I had a lot of good time to just go to. This is when I was in London, so I was there were a lot of cafes and places I could just go and draw. Um, 
the the struggle though were the was the challenges that I was receiving by the stuff that I was reading. So Seth Godin uh, would pick up on Steve Jobs' uh, motto of "real artists ship." Real real artists get stuff out there, <laughs> and I wanted things to be perfect. And I was in the middle of having to do a perfect film, so I the doodling was freedom in one way, but in another, I was challenging myself to actually have output that didn't connect with the film. So, and the output, which was a doodle a day, um, I, I really struggled with that because they weren't great drawings. Um, and the challenge that I got from these books were, was put something out once a day, publish it, no judgment, just put it out there and see what happens. And, and what I was putting out was really not so good. Uh, so that really kind of killed my perfectionism. Ah, that was, I was struggling with at the time, uh, having to get a perfect edit, having to please everybody. Here was uh, something that I did not have to please anybody except myself. Um, and, and I found quickly that the drawings and the doodles became something uh, that kind of brought me back to art school when I went to art school in the 80s. So um, I was able to kind of tap into that creativity that was not being used in filmmaking. Um, so time wasn't the problem. Uh, the, the idea of publishing stuff that wasn't perfect, that was that was the challenge to get through in the first. And, and I found that I got through it within three months. Um, so I was posting a, a doodle a day for a while. Um, and and the, the the quality of them improved. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that was gonna be my next question. It's it's I think we all do that. You know, we self-censor, we, you know, we we have these expectations, and if it doesn't meet our own expectations, sometimes we shut down or we we move along, you know, we don't continue with it. But but it took you some time to break through it. Are you you find still that um you're you're kind of past that, or do you do those sensor mindset kind of crop back up every so often? Well, I think in, I got not to categorize everything, but in my filmmaking, I still have that perfectionism mm -hmm. thing. <clears throat> it's combated by the doodles that I do, which are purposely not perfect and purposely strange. There's a strangeness to them. Um, and, and it's almost like I can go into a perfectionism of, of its imperfection. Uh, and, and there's only joy. It only increases the joy. Uh, and then I've just recently, like I guess in the last three months, I've, I've had a shift where not everything in filmmaking has to be perfect. Sometimes just having good enough is good. Hmm. <clears throat> and therefore that's decreased my editing time and kind of, I've been much more laid back on, on things. So I, I'm guessing the principles of doodling have kind of infiltrated my editing uh, through having to edit on a daily basis again. Um, I, it's kind of, you know, dovetailed, seeped in that um, maybe some imperfection and not so, so uh, great uh, edits are okay 
and then it makes it's it it is changing my editing, which is making it's actually making it better because it's not as as hyper shot by shot has to be perfect. Interesting. So it kind of opens up a little bit more space for you and a little uh, kind of expands your uh, your constraints maybe a little bit. Yeah, and it also like the whole performance thing. I guess for artists, producers, whoever, any, anybody, um, if you have this perfectionism thing, it's going to affect what you put out. Mm-hmm. And and um, I think that that having some breathing room in what you're producing via learning about doodling and and drawing like I, I do uh, is a good place to be in because then I think it shows in your work and it, it transfers to, to to it on some level and, and it may be more enjoyable product mm-hmm. uh, because the you know my process is more fun and, and so that that could translate in that way it's really interesting and you know I think it's, this is really relevant for people that work in higher ed whether you're on the faculty side or the staff side because I think that this kind of environment, this culture rewards perfectionism, you know? And I yeah. think people, there are a lot of smart people, a lot of really talented people. And so I think that that is, and it can be, I wonder almost in a way is if that's part of the reason why higher ed gets sort of a bad rap for not being a, a hotbed of innovation and, and uh, you know, right. embracing new ideas, you know, new ways to do things. I wonder if, I wonder if this might be something that would make a difference for people in freeing themselves up, even if it's just for that time when they're doodling to, to just kind of free themselves from that uh, perfectionism and see like, wow, there is a different way to do this. And it's, it's cool to see that it is filtered into your filmmaking as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, and having like just started work in education, um, I, I do see sometimes that there's, there is that standard of this is what a lecture is. This is what a video lecture is. This is what a, a class is or a course is. And sometimes I think that needs shaking up because it just gets very dry. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think, um, and anybody, like when I would do doodle workshops, I haven't done one in a while, but uh, it seems to, to just, you know, when you have 10 people gathered around the table, which you can't do these days because of the pandemic, but when that happens again, what I found was 10 people around a table will get to know each other really quickly and in a playful way, not so much in a meet and greet kind of um, networking way. So I, I, one of my favorite doodle workshops I did in the UK, it was 12 people, all from different backgrounds. And because they had that time, they, there were three or four friendships that started from that, from that one, one hour doodle session um it you you get to know one another you get to know their likes and what makes them happy uh because they're they're looser in their because they're drawing uh without without a judgment as to what they're drawing or how they're drawing it it's really cool so it, trans- you know, it makes yeah that, that's interesting and it makes me think like gosh what um you know perhaps you've got um a, an academic department and professors have to work together because they're designing a new program and there's, you know, there's, there's clashes or there's conflict or, or maybe you work in a unit where you've got a big project coming up. It seems like, you know, it makes me wonder like if, uh, 
if sort of a, do, a shared doodling experience like you describe, like if that wouldn't break down some barriers and help people connect maybe in a different way and maybe also generate some creative ideas for whatever the focus of that group getting together is. Like, I wonder, I mean, does that seem like it resonates with you from your experience? Yeah, I think as, as far as like having, sometimes with, with workshops and courses, you have an agenda, you want to have this, endpoint of what you've learned and what you've done. But a, a workshop like a doodling workshop is you don't have the agenda. You just, you, the agenda is that you're doodling. <laughs> and and that certainly does have an effect. And it, it may seem uh, to some like a waste of time, but it, it what it does for you is is almost like, well, is, is therapy a waste, a waste of time or is exercise a waste of time? No, it may seem like it when you're doing it, but it translates to other um, to other areas. So yes, uh, having people from different schools or different uh, backgrounds or, or lives get together and just share that, that's, that's, yeah, that sounds like fun. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just, just a way to, to open yourself up maybe in a way that wouldn't be typical in this kind of environment. Um, and, and give that permission, you know, to, to be imperfect, to, to just uh, explore an idea or, I, I love that because I, I don't think as adults, and I know you just attended a, a session about uh, play and, you know, um, I, we just don't get that opportunity as adults to do that very often, to play, to, you know, to really just sit and, and draw and think and, you know, and share with each other. So. Yeah, no, it reminds me of a couple of things. Um, Orbiting the Giant Hairball by Gordon McKenzie. There's there's um, a whole chapter on how he would, uh, how corporate employees would be forced to have fun days and they'd have to wear a hat and they'd have to wear a costume. And one time a group of corporate employees came in with funny hats on because it was supposed to be fun day. Um, and none of them were having fun. <laughs> because you were prescribing what should be fun. And, and this is more like an internal, uh, inward-driven, what, what's fun in doodling? And it just has a different, different effect. It's not a forced thing. <coughs> um, and, and this morning I was listening to Essentialism, the book that we're reading in the Unbook Club, and how play is so important and crucial in in everyday life. And we've lost that because of the industrial revolution education system that says everything is product and it has to be uh, marked. You have to, you know, have value to whatever you do. And, and that versus just go have fun, fly a kite. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, uh, they're, they're, yeah, we've lost it. So uh, doodling is definitely a way to, to bring that play back. So, so Roy, let, so let's say somebody listening says, you know what, I, I'm going to give this a shot, you know, for the next month, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try to experiment or like, gosh, I love this idea of doodling together with colleagues. You know, I've got this committee where we're, we're stuck. We can't seem to move forward. I'd love to, to, to challenge us all to doodle. Like, how and this is going to sound so weird, but what are the rules of doodling, or like what are the guidelines or the principles that um, that should frame that? Because I know it's it's sort of the opposite of rules, but 
you know, I, I know that there are some things to think about if you're if you're going to sit down either individually to, to doodle or to um, to do it with a group. Yeah, well, the 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 structure and rules are that there aren't a lot of rules, but there are three. There are like three principles. One is um, non-judgment. Whatever you put on the page, do not judge. Uh, no expectations. Whatever you put on the page, don't. It's not going to be as good as what's in your head. Mm -hmm. um, and the third is like to really find a flow uh, with it. Um, but you do that by not, because a doodle is not a proper art form, it is what it is. You know, my, my eight-year-old niece could, could doodle better than I can at, at 50. You know, that there's no standard. So by, by not having expectations, letting go, and getting into that flow, those are the three principles. Love it. Um, those, those are the rules. It's like there's no wrong answers. Uh, you can't judge. So if you're dueling with somebody else and they have like a, like a flying pig or, in my case, a cloned hippopotamus this morning I was doing, <laughs> um, you can't really, you know, there are no cloned hippopotamuses that we know of. Therefore, this is cool. And you can't really judge it by some kind of artistic um, intellectual exercise. So that's, I guess, to, to a group is that there's no judgment for other people's and you're you to encourage and, and to really uh, kind of get behind what they're doing, whatever it is. Love that, Roy. Um, so say, you know, like, I, I want to get started with this. I'm inspired. What do I need to get started? What would be my first couple steps? Um, to, to sort of intentionally take this on as a form of wellness and as a form of sort of self-care during this tough time? What, what I did, get a moleskin journal, gonna get a good journal, blank page, get a pen that you like, start doodling, do one doodle a day. In my case, I, I made that a publishable thing. That's part of the process. So get a moleskin, get a, a, um, a Instagram or Twitter account, post once a day. Don't even try to get a new audience. Just do that. And and that in itself is is was my process that brought a lot more creativity. Love it. Um, just ship ship every day, whatever the result from your 10 minutes of drawing. Yeah, you, you just hit my, my my last question. It's like, this doesn't need to be something that you designate a schedule in an hour in your day, right? This is just something, if you've got 10 minutes, use 10 minutes. If you've got half an hour. I'm, I'm doing some coaching. I'm, I'm, I have a coach uh, uh, who goes by uh, Think Clearly. Uh, that's his kind of uh, brand. But uh, each assignment, time it as... 10 minutes, eight minutes, 12 minutes, you know, in that, and don't go past that. So, you know, if you can do three minutes, that's great. Uh, if it's stick figures, that's great because it'll, I guarantee you, if it's stick figures today, it'll, um, it'll be a lot more in, in a month. Try for 30 days kind of thing. I love it, Roy. Love it. Thank you for sharing this. I mean, this, you, you create a great case for why it's important, but also an easy entry point, which I think is, is key, you know, because the more the more rules, the more complicated something is, the harder it is to, to take that leap. But I think you've laid it out where anybody could get anybody. started with this tomorrow. 
Yeah, yeah, notepad and a pen. There you go. Love it. Thank you, Roy. I appreciate you. Appreciate you being on the show. Thanks, man. This was great. Hey, uh, where can people find out more about you? Um, I go by uh, the moniker Roy's owner, R-O-Y-Z-O-N-E-R. And if you just Google Roy's owner, you'll see my website and Instagram and YouTube and, and that kind of thing. Great. I'll add those to the show notes. Thanks, Roy. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show and got something from it, please consider subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. And maybe more importantly, share with someone else you might enjoy. Also, it would be great if you could leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more on the show, check out the podcast website at markhofer.com slash podcast. You'll find the show notes there. Until next week, make it a great week.